Well, it may be that in discussing some of the music you enjoyed as teens, you've revealed some things about your past that uh, you've forgotten. Those of you who know me well might be surprised that I actually had listened to the top 10 pop music when I was a teenager. That was because uh, AM radio was about the only thing I could get in my car. So, well, I'm sure that that will have some flavor in the story we hear uh, this morning from uh, Brian and Brooke. Let me read the uh, introduction again for a couple that I've known, I think, in their entire married lives here, or even beyond that. But here's what we're going to hear the story from. Brian and Brooke Hackman have been married for 18 years, have two children. Aha, I see the hand. Uh, and uh, Naomi and Neil, I think, are both here to make sure they get the story right. Uh, Brooke has attended faith for 21 years, has served in various capacities in the worship ministry. Brian's attended for 18 years and served as an usher. Brooke works as a speech-language pathologist in Washington Township Schools, and Brian works as a fractional controller. I have to admit I had to Google that to see what that was. Yes, I thought it was maybe something my fourth-grade teacher did when they were trying to teach us how to divide one-eighth by one-fourth. But, you know. Well, we uh, look forward to the, the story. Let me pray as we start. Father, each uh, week we've heard stories that remind us about how you guided lives of our friends and uh, family here at Faith Church. Thanks that Brian and Brooke can do that in sharing this morning. Help, help us to hear well and help them to speak well of how you've guided them in these years together. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, everyone. Uh, we are Brian and Brooke Hackman, and our faith story is about blending two faith backgrounds that were different in how we expressed our faith, both in church services and in daily life. And the Bible story that this process reminds us of can be found in Acts 10, 10 through 15. It says, and he, who is Peter, became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. And in it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time, What God has made clean do not call common. So this story shows when Peter was called to preach the good news to the Gentiles without asking them to convert to each of the Jewish laws that he had grown up in, but rather to accept Jesus as their Savior. Our story is definitely not as epic as blending Jews and Gentiles to tell the good news about Jesus, but we did have to recognize that we had different faith backgrounds and had to give grace regarding each other's backgrounds and beliefs. I was born and raised in Columbus, Indiana, which is an hour south of Indianapolis. My parents are devout Missouri Synod Lutheran Christians and still live there, and we have a great relationship. I have a sister who is a year and a half older than me, and she lives in Avon with her husband and three kids. They all attend, they attend our Shepherd Lutheran, where I was a member prior to marriage. 
My paternal grandparents were active members of Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Seymour, Indiana, and would turn on the radio to listen to additional sermons on Sunday when they got home from church. By the time my grandmother was in her 90s, she was up to seven uh, sermons every Sunday morning. My maternal grandparents were active members of Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Avila, Indiana, which is a half hour north of Fort Wayne. If you follow up the family tree, everyone was Lutheran. I want to jettison this like uh, uh, David Letterman, you know, stuff. I was baptized at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Columbus when I was three weeks old. Because I was too young to speak, the members of the church stated my acceptance of faith on my behalf. Everyone in my extended family was baptized as an infant. Every single Sunday, my family would go to services followed by Sunday school or Bible study. Services were extremely structured with traditional hymns and readings following a church calendar. The only time we would miss a service was because we were visiting with family and attending their Lutheran service that week. I cannot tell you my coming to faith story without thinking that my faith has always been a part of who I am. From kindergarten through eighth grade, I attended St. Peter's Lutheran School. Scripture was a part of the daily curriculum, and chapel was held every Wednesday. When I struggled with reading aloud, my mother and I would pick up a book, pick a book from the Bible, and we would take turns reading verses. Later, I became an acolyte and would regularly play my trumpet for church services. So there's a picture of my parents and my sister and I. Uh, we were kids. Uh, the uh, the small country church is St. Paul's where I attended, with, and my parents are still members. Uh, the bigger church is uh, St. Peter's Church, and the school is behind it. <laughs> this was part of our annual pilgrimage to uh, Sears Portrait Studios for their 60% off coupon. Um, so I, I, I've got a picture every year. He got 60% off that haircut, too. <laughs> oh, that, 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 that one was free from my mother. So. Okay. I spent my child. Oh, sorry. I spent my childhood in Rochester, Indiana, about 90 minutes north of here, straight up 31. I was raised by parents who were definitive products of the Jesus movement. My dad became a Christian in college in the mid 70s, and while my mom was raised by my grandmother, who was a believer, that's my grandmother right there behind Brian at the bottom, baking cookies with me. So my mom was raised by my grandmother, who was a believer. My grandfather was not, so their faith was wrought with hardship, but that's a different story. My parents, you can see in their wedding picture there, from probably 75, I think, um, embraced the individual faith journey and emotional displays of worship that came out of the Jesus movement. We went to two churches, one until I was five and another for the rest of my growing up years. Both were non-denominational small rural churches with an emphasis on emotive praise and worship, a free-flowing service where you never know what could happen next, and a strong emphasis on in I'm sorry, a strong emphasis on the inerrancy of scripture and the physical and outward expressions of the gifts of the spirit. If you are unsure of what this means, it means a long, loud, emotive worship service, sometimes with tambourines, streamers, and ram's horns, and speaking in tongues in the service. In fact, my mother used to joke that 1 Thessalonians 4.16 that says, 
the dead in Christ will rise first, was about those other churches who stoically sang old hymns with no outward expression of emotion. (laughs) There was an emphasis on a point in time where you said a prayer and became a Christian. My parents said I had done this with them when I was five, but when I was eight, I didn't remember that. This was just in time for the movie A Thief in the Night to be shown at a church function. I remember laying in bed at night thinking that since I did not remember that prayer, I would possibly be left behind hearing the blaring of my parents' alarm clock after they had been taken in the rapture. I lay in bed one of these terrified nights and prayed another prayer to receive salvation and proudly told my parents about it the next morning. Later that year, I was baptized in a borrowed baptismal surrounded by close family and church members. I've since had discussions with people who are pretty horrified by my coming to Christ out of fear. But I've come to terms with the fact that God used the circumstances I was in and my, the special makeup of my psyche to lead me to him in the way that he did. Don't worry. My subsequent growth and walk with Christ has largely not been one of fear of punishment or being left out. So the other pictures here are, um, that's me, a uh, school portrait from when I was probably eight. So that was right when I had the second somewhat fearful <laughs> prayer of salvation. And then um, over here is um, the church on Highway 31. When you're going past Rochester, you'll see it. My parents recently no longer attend there for a whole nother their faith story reason. But um, that's where I, I attended and actually helped turn it from a John Deere dealership into a church back when I was like seven or eight. Yeah, we did a huge renovation, and it's still there. It's still going. In seventh grade, I was part of a committee that selected our first director of Christian education, Marty Haas. Marty was just 10 years my senior, and he led the youth group and became my mentor from junior high through high school. Through lock-ins, camping trips, and Bible studies, his presence was an enormously positive influence on my life. And that's him on the right. Uh, Saturday confirmation classes in eighth grade was an intense Bible and Luther small catechism study with a lot of scripture memorization. For those of you who don't know what a catechism is, it's a book that states how a Lutheran should interpret the Bible and has lots of scripture references to support this interpretation. My confirmation at the end of eighth grade year was when I stated my faith in front of the congregation to confirm my baptism that I had received as an infant. It was also at the, the first time I was allowed to take communion. It was taught that the, through the power of Christ's word, he gives his body and blood in, with, and under the consecrated bread and wine. So in other words, communion contains all four elements, the body and blood of Christ, as well as bread and wine. And it has to be wine. That's not, grape juice is not acceptable. My cousin's church served a white wine, and I I still find that one confusing. Um, (laughs) Communion is a huge deal in a Lutheran service. It was done every week in the winter and spring, and every other week in the summer and fall. It took up roughly a quarter of the length of the service as everyone went up individually. And it was closed communion, which means only members of the Missouri Synod Lutheran Church are allowed to participate. So the other, other picture is me at my confirmation uh, with Pastor Stocky and the small rural church. There's only five confirmants. Okay. Yeah, on the toe head. 
in high school. Uh, yeah. Oh, so sorry, that's the next slide. In high school, I attended church every Sunday, was in youth group, was an usher. I created the church's first website, and I put together weekly church radio programs on Saturdays to be broadcast the next morning. I also played church league basketball for all four years. My junior year of high school, Marty took me and another high schooler on a three-week cross-country trip uh, across the country, and, and it was one of my fondest memories. To justify the trip, we went to a campground in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and we dug porta potties in the side of a mountain for five days. <laughs> I went to college at Indiana University, uh, which uh, brought me freedom and new experiences. I would stay out till all hours of the morning on Friday and Saturday nights and did not make going to church a priority. By the end of my first semester, I quit going to church altogether. My faith was still there, but I was more interested in parties, alcohol, and the fun that I felt I had missed out on on my strict upbringing. I started college in the fall of 98, near the end of the height of the dot-com bubble. At that time, every business needed more programmers and web designers, and some computer science majors could get hired with massive salaries with just a four-year degree. I knew I could make web pages from HTML code, and I thought I could learn in college how to write computer programs. As it turns out, I was terrible at writing my own programs. It took me two, year, two times to barely pass the introductory computer science course uh, that's designed to flunk out most of the kids. Uh, I figured out that computer programming was never something that I could make a career out of. My sophomore year was a lost one, with me having no direction of what I was going to do with my life. My grades suffered. I'd gone through the money I had saved from college jobs. Uh, and summer jobs, and I fell into a deep, dark depression. My sister was taking classes in Indianapolis, so my junior year I moved in with her to save money and finished up with a business degree from IUPUI. I went to church with her, and the youth leader at that church happened to be my old mentor, Marty Haas. Marty had moved there a year prior. We reestablished our relationship now as peers and friends. I helped out with the church by co-leading Sunday school and the youth group for the high school kids. I played basketball in the gym each week, and being connected again with church and friends rekindled my faith and brought me out of my depression. So um, the picture on the right is my senior picture, uh, taking my junior year of uh, high school. Uh, the next picture is my sister and I, uh, in between my sophomore and junior years of college, right before uh, we shared an apartment together. and. Uh, the other picture is a high school youth group activity, uh, 70s theme party. Uh, I'm the one on the top right, and Marty's on the top left. But that was when you were helping lead the high school. That was when I was helping lead the high school. That's about uh, six months after graduating college. All right. So <laughs> I'll explain some of these pictures in a minute. My growing up faith, while non-denominational, was governed by a set of extra-biblical rules that were not crushing, but were ever-present. My mom had grown up in a Pentecostal background where you, of course, did none of the typical vices like drinking or smoking, but also no cards, no dances, girls wore dresses, no movies, etc. While our church did not follow that, my family was strongly influenced by my mom's background, and I was subtly taught that 
while one was still a Christian, you would be more holy if you followed those rules. My parents are strong complementarians, meaning that they believe defined gender roles affect your faith. So my sister and I grew up with a 100% stay-at-home mom. Any leadership roles in the church or small groups were taken by my dad. I do have to say, though, that my parents raised me in a strong and unwavering faith, and I could not be more grateful. We turned to the Bible and prayer for times of celebration as well as times of trouble. We went to church at least two, if not three or four times a week for different reasons and served in every way imaginable, as often happens in a small church. My parents, especially my dad, who technically was a new Christian, lived out their faith in many ways too numerous to tell here. In high school, I began to have exposure to different denominations. My dad had fairly arbitrary age limits on certain freedoms. Because of this, he declared that 16 was the age where I could try out different churches with friends as long as I was going to church. Being intellectually ambitious, I went to various mainline denominational churches. I won't be able to list them all, but uh, for those of you who don't know what mainline is, like Presbyterian, Methodist, um, in our little town. So you can see there on the map, I mapped Fulton County and the churches, not all of their names are popping up on the Google map, but um, I kind of went through and tried to remember the ones that I had been to services or prayer meetings in, and it's over half of those little red dots. Basically everyone but the Lutheran. Oh yeah, not the, sorry St. John Lutheran. I never ended up there in high school. Um, so in those uh, visits to services, I participated in lit liturgical services, singing out of hymnals, and being told when to sit and when to stand. I attended prayer services, some that were open form and 90 minutes long, and some that were pre-written or based on old text, and some that were 10 minutes long. In college, I continued to try out different denominations, but I always participated and served no matter how long I was there. But through all this, I personally continued to hold on to my ideas that there was a best way to worship and live with extra biblical rules outside of basic biblical morality and it could somehow make you a little bit more holy. So the other two pictures, which are just the height of late 80s hair, um, and apologies, Brian said that I did not put a good picture of my sister. Um, she's five years younger than me, very beautiful. If you want to see her, come see me afterwards. I'll show you a Facebook picture. But um, that in the middle, <laughs> I, did, I did her rotten is what he said. Um, that one in the middle is me. I'm the dorky-looking one who's five years older. Um, probably around, I think we're probably like 10 and 5 there. Um, and then that uh, next door, I've gotten through the awkward hair stage, and my sister's in the awkward hair stage, and then we're 15 and 10. So, also, uh, your mother's in the awkward hair stage. Well, my mother, she liked that stage. <laughs> none, of, <laughs> none of us have curly hair. But people thought we did for a very long time. Oh, the 80s. Uh, yeah. Uh, All right, here you go. Oh, I'm going to still so be talking. Yeah. It's still me. Okay, meeting and marrying. Uh, Brian and I met in the summer of 2003 at his workplace where I was working a temporary summer job before teaching. We had a long dating relationship where I broke up with him twice. Sorry. 
This was because despite my complementarian upbringing, remember that's where I was raised to believe that women were more holy if they stayed at home with their children and had clear defined roles, I somehow knew that I could be independent and live on my own for a long time if I wanted. But Brian was persistent and we obviously stayed together. Regarding the blending of two faith traditions, his grandmother, who I later became very close to, when she first learned I wasn't Lutheran, she pulled Brian aside and said, try not to lose your faith. <laughs> Just so the uh, pictures up here, the uh, top right is the first picture of Brooke and I together in 2003. Um, we're both 23 years old in that picture. Um, the other two pictures are from our wedding. I was working my first postgraduate job at Golden Rule Insurance Company, and my boss was Doug Waltz. I met Brooke uh, when I was working there. She was uh, the temporary receptionist. Uh, we got engaged, and Tom Macy was instrumental in helping us uh, begin blending our traditions uh, during premarital counseling. While he agreed that we should get married, he, he did state that it wouldn't always be easy uh, to bridge these doctors. Doctrinal, I hate that word. Doct doctrinal. Doctor, I can't doctrinal. say that Differences, thank you. <laughs> she put that in there, and I, just to stumble. I can't say that word. I, I, I messed it up first hour. Um, we got married in 2005, and we were the first wedding in Faith Church's new sanctuary. The steps uh, to the platform came in only hours before the ceremony. And Marty Haas was my best man. Uh, Brooke had started attending Faith her last year of college and had attended here about three years, and we decided to attend together as a married couple. During our first year of marriage, we took a break from services here and tried out between six to eight different churches of various denominations, including Lutheran, uh, to see if there was something we could find that was in exactly between our two faith backgrounds. We attended some for only a week, and a few uh, we saw went to a couple of times. Uh, but in the end, we felt that we had made a more fully informed decision that Faith Church was where we wanted to be, and we've been here ever since. Brian and I came from faith backgrounds with different traditions and different extra-biblical trappings. We are both very opinionated and love a good intellectual debate. We function best when we are sitting around solving the problems of the world, I love that about us, but it did lead to some rough spots, especially with expressing our faith in our marriage. Uh, some of these ideas that we still have our debates on have been debated by Christians all over the world for hundreds of years. Thousands. Maybe thousands of years. Thousands. Yes. Thousands of years. Okay. Some of these include when to get baptized, what communion actually is, how we should behave in the worship service, how one comes to Christ, and if at a point in time, prayer of salvation is required. Men's and women's roles, and how much uh, to serve in church, and how that contributes to one's holiness. We have and still do devote countless hours to discussions of these items. In some, we have agreed to disagree uh, and still respect the faith of the other person. This includes ideas of how, to, how and when to participate in baptism. Brooke believes that a person must state their personal faith prior to baptism, and if not, it doesn't count. 
However, I believe that my baptism is still valid as I confirmed it later on. It contained everything one would want in a baptism, just in two parts, just, or maybe just one really long ceremony. You know. By accepting Faith Church's policy on baptism, I had to talk to my parents and grandparents and tell them that while we would raise our children with in a strong faith, they would not be baptized as infants. And this went over like a lead balloon. <laughs> a way I've moved towards Brooks' viewpoints is to accept a more open idea of what communion is. But one more painful aspect of this has been that I can no longer participate in communion when visiting any previous church where I was a member, including my parents' church, due to closed communion policies. And my parents will not take communion at faith as it goes against their beliefs. I have moved towards enjoying the beauty in an orderly worship service with pre-written prayers. This is not painful for me, but rather a journey in appreciating different styles of worship and prayer and recognizing that all can be good and holy. By the time I completed college, I had begun to distance myself from my family's ideas of strict male-female roles influencing your holiness. So while I have a career outside the home, and it was something I wanted to do, it took me a long time, with help from women here at Faith Church, to not feel constantly guilty about it. I also no longer think that someone is more holy if they avoid alcohol, don't use secular media, and spend most of their non-working hours in church. I have come to believe that these can be good choices, but they're just different choices. So Brian and I have two children, currently 10 and 13. No, he's, uh, no, he's not. No, he's, he's 13. Not. We think it's great to expose them to different musical styles and histories. They've attended both Lutheran and charismatic services with either grandparents. We want to be sure that we don't imply that one is better or worse than the other, but to recognize heartfelt worship in any form. There were things we miss or recognize as good from other denominations' traditions, which we won't list here because we want to respect the choice of the leaders of the Evangelical Free Church and our pastors and elders. But there are many th more things that we can incorporate into our daily raising of our children to communicate respect and hopefully the ability to, dis to discern an honest faith in themselves and in friends and maybe future spouses. So here are some side notes, a little less serious. Everything we've been talking about before has been pretty serious doctrinal issues. Um, but some of the funnier aspects that we've melded together revolve around worship music and music traditions in general. For example, <laughs> Brian could barely hold it together the first time we visited my parents' church where almost everyone was clapping and moving. Dancing in the aisles. A significant number of people, those with and without rhythm, were handed tambourines to play or ribbon streamers to wave in the aisles. Like a jazzercise ribbon, you know? And then someone, without notice, blew a ram's horn from the back to start the next song. Surprise! <laughs> Brian, being a person who grew up singing six-verse hymns, sometimes eight, um, he likes to tell another story of visiting my parents' church where they sang a typical early 2000s worship song, which was honestly pretty repetitive. They got to the end of it, and then the leader, full of emotion, stated, I feel the spirit moving. Let's sing that again. Uh, I mean, the seven words repeated 11 times, done twice. It's great. 
um, our, our previous home group that sings hymns together joked that because of my unchanging Lutheran hymnal, I do not know any hymns that were written after the 1800s. <laughs> this, this may be somewhat true, but I have learned some songs in the last 20 years. Oh, and you want to say the slow part because that was funny too. Oh, yeah. So when we would sing hymns in my uh, church growing up, the organist was very old, and so she would play the hymns very slowly. So you really got to feel the music, you know? So we do know some of the same hymns, but I know them twice as fast. <laughs> um, part of the continuation of the Jesus movement was the movement where one did not listen to secular music. I participated in this as a child and a young teen. Therefore, I, know, I knew almost nothing about popular musicians of the 80s and early 90s, including some of Brian's favorites, like Nirvana and Michael Jackson, which was kind of weird for me as a musician not to know much about these people. Uh, conversely, my family did not buy into the contemporary music scene. Christian, the, contemporary Christian. Contemporary Christian, thank you, music scene of the same time period. So I have no idea who Twyla Paris, Newsboys, or Rich Mullins are. Uh, and apparently that's Brooke's favorite. Uh, Brooke wrote those names down. I, I still don't know who those are. Uh, we have now both been members of Faith Church for the past 18 years. Obviously, our ideas of doctrine and specifics around these sometimes sticky subjects have grown to include the evangelical free doctrines. Similar to Peter coming to terms with the fact that people he would be teaching about Jesus may not follow strict Judaic laws, we both had to come to terms with letting go of some of our extra beliefs in order to cooperate in marriage. In conclusion, we'd like to offer some advice. This experience of writing a faith story has been so helpful in understanding our faith within our marriage that we think pastors Jeff and Joey should include this as part of their premarital counseling. We look forward to the Engaged Couples Faith Stories series next summer. <laughs> we both love a good de debate, so find us and get one of us talking if you have the time. Thank you.